Good morning. Today is Sunday, the 19th of November. We're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're on page 84, one paragraph, starting with this thought brings us to, um, followed by a 20-minute share. Um, I'd like to introduce Teresa B., who's going to be, or no, I'd like to introduce um, Billy P., who's going to be reading that text for us. Billy, please read the text. Hi, everybody. I'm Billy, compulsive overeater. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Yes. Thank you, Billy. What a paragraph. And today to kick us off on that is Teresa B. Teresa, please share with us. Good morning, everyone. My name is Teresa B. from New Jersey, and I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Um, I'm going to start off my share first by um, illustrating my um, qualifications as a compulsive overeater. Um, I was born two pounds and 11 ounces. So when I entered this world at seven months, I was a very small baby, but my body um, craved that nutrition. So my mother said that I gained that weight very quickly in the hospital. So instead of being in the hospital and expected two months more, I was only in the hospital for a month because I gained the weight that I needed to gain. Um, my relationship with food did not start that I was able to recognize until I was about five years old. Um, and that started when I um, entered elementary school. And I noticed that when I came home, I was always craving something sweet and I would make a point of getting the Captain Crunch or um, the Foodie Pebbles or something like that. And I would sit in front of the TV and finish an entire box of cereal. I always told my mother and my siblings that I just wanted to get the prize out of the box. But even after the prize was taken out of the side of the box or from inside of the box, I made sure that the box was empty before um. I got up off the floor uh, and still my parents or myself did not consciously recognize that I had a problem with um, sweets and my, my um, addiction is sweets and anything that isn't high fat foods. So um, I'm moving on till I'm 10 years old. And by that time, I was probably about a size, I was probably about a size um, 12, 12 and juniors. And my mom and dad did not realize anything was wrong. And my attitude towards food at that time was that my, my parents had to work for everything that we had. We were not a, a family that was affluent. We were a, a working class family. My parents had to work for everything that I got. So um, my mom always instilled in us that whatever is put on the plate, we must eat everything in its entirety. We don't get up from the table until everything is done. 
And I love to be a obedient daughter. And I love to get the praise from my parents when I always did what was right. So I made a point of always eating everything that was on my plate. And my mother and dad, my mother and father never stayed at the table with us the entire time of the meal. When they were done, they got up. So my brother and my sister were at the table and they were crying and moaning and groaning because they didn't want to finish their food. They knew that their big sister was going to take care of it. So I ate their food off of their plate so that they could get up from the table too. So by the time I was 16 years old, I was then up to a size 14 and it'd be a, my relationship with food continued. I entered college and when I entered college, I had free reign. I would not begin studying for my courses in the afternoon until I when I got all of my Snickers and my Trix bars and my chocolate chip cookies and my sweet juice. Those were my meals that I had every day while I was studying. I studied for hours and I would not even indulge in the studying if I did not have those things. Every day in college, instead of choosing um, healthier things like salads or um, well-balanced meals, I would choose um bacon cheeseburgers. I would choose grilled cheeses with bacon on it. I would choose French fries. I would choose pizzas. So by the time I was 24 years old, I was almost 300 pounds. Got married and we started a family and my relationship with food did not continue to the point that I began to have issues with the pregnancies like preeclampsia and um, gestational diabetes and still the relationship did not change. Once I was almost, once I was over 300 pounds, I decided that I needed to make a change. And that's when I began to seek all the solutions out there. I saw injections, I saw pills, I saw um, using um, saran wrap to wrap around my body with um, creams. I saw the, the liquid drinks, I saw Weight Watchers, everything that I tried did not work. So finally, I decided to have the gastric bypass. and even that, I realized later, did not solve my problem with food. Yes, I went from a little over 300 pounds to 123 pounds. But when I looked in the mirror at myself, I was not happy. I was not happy with the person that I saw in front of me. So everybody would praise me. Teresa, you look so great now and things like that. And people that never even said hi to me would walk up to me and engage in a conversation with me. And my thought was, what was wrong with me when I was heavier? Why didn't you talk to me then? Why wasn't I good enough to be a friend to someone then? And I felt resentment towards those individuals and I um, walked past them. I did not give them my attention because they validated that I was not good enough. And I didn't like the feeling that I received when I got the attention. So moving along in my process of dealing with life after the gastric bypass, I um, began to find a way to get around the sugar, to get around the high fat foods, so although it gave me severe stomach pain um, and, and I would get sick, I realized that if I bring it back up, I wouldn't get um, as ill. I wouldn't suffer from the consequences as much. So there began 16 years of uh, my relationship with bulimia. And even that still did not solve my problem because by the year um, 2022, I was back up to 263 pounds and my life was miserable. I was now a widow. My husband died from COVID-19. 
uh, in December of um, 20. Uh, I had four children, did not know how the bills were going to get paid because he was the main breadwinner. I was working as a teacher and my income did not equate to what a law enforcement officer made in the state of New Jersey. And I was suffering with depression and I lived with um, not being able to sleep for six months. I took little cap naps during the day and I stayed up all night and I cried a lot until I finally reached out to the doctor for him to give me some medicine. And I did not admit to my kids that this is what was going on. I shut the door because I was ashamed. And then one day my daughter said, mom, you need help. And I said, I don't need help. I can deal with anything. I don't have a problem with anything. She said, mom, you need help. I said, daughter, I'm fine. I can handle everything. Haven't I always handled everything? And that was the first time in my life that I had to swallow my pride and realize that I couldn't do anything, that I needed help from my outside source. So I got that help. In the process of getting that help, I realized that I didn't have to be perfect. And still that did not um, change my relationship with food. I um, continued to eat. And what finally brought me to my ground zero was that I fell on my knees. And when I fell on my knees, that triggered chronic arthritis. And it got to the point where I could not walk at all. And um, the doctors gave me all the injections that they could. They gave me any all of the medicine that they could and did not stop the pain in my knees because I was putting all of the sugar in my body, which was triggering the inflammation in my joints. And um, I was ready to quit my job as a teacher. And finally, I called the principal and I asked her, could I buy an electric scooter to ride around in the school with to get to the classrooms and take care and service my students? And she said, yes. So here I am, a new teacher in a new district. And I'm riding around in a scooter and everybody in the building is able to see Teresa riding around in a scooter. And I felt such shame. I felt that I was such a failure to myself and the children that I was um, contracted to serve. And the the um, ice on the cake was when I fell outside of a classroom. It was almost time for dismissal in the middle of the floor. I was walking and my knees just gave out on me and I could not get myself up. I could not get this 263 pound body up. A fourth grader who was standing in line in the front saw me in the hallway, ran down the hallway to help me up. And he tried and he tried and he could not lift me up. I looked down the hallway and I saw a chair at the end of the hallway. I said, go get the chair. I said, push the chair up against the wall. And I crawled to that wall and pushed myself up on the chair to get up. And I thanked him so much. And as tears rolled down my face and I realized that I had a problem, I needed to find um, a solution. And so um, throughout this process at this school with the scooter and everything else, a friend of mine has started attending these meetings. And uh, she was telling me about how beautiful these people were and, and how she understood what our problem was then. And I was like, this person was a lot like me. But this person right now has a change of attitude. This person has such a calm demeanor. She has such a sense of acceptance. I need to find out what, what she has used. So she sent me the link to go to um, the Scottsdale meeting. And in that meeting, I just sat there and I listened. And um, I heard the story. They were actually reading um, Bill's story, one of the chapters in Bill's story. And I told her, wow. And I said, after the meeting, I told her, these people are beautiful and they resonate with me. I told her, I need to read Bill's story. Can you send it to me? She sent it to him. I said, I'm not talking to anybody. Let me read this story. And when I read that story, tears started to flow down my face. And I realized that I now understood what I had.
I now understood what I had. I was a compulsive overeater and I needed help. So that's how I came to um, the fellowship. And I began my work in the steps and the work through the steps was not an easy process for me because I was not a person willing to give up control. I was not a person willing to concede that I was not perfect because I needed to be perfect. I needed to be perfect because I, I, I needed to hide who I really was. I was never a person that was able to connect with who I really was throughout my life. I always lived behind masks. So I went and did the work of the steps. Um, and what I realized that my step, and when I got to my step four, my step four um, was one of the most painful experiences that I've ever experienced in my life that was worse than childbirth, that I had to concede that I had a part in these situations and, and that I was not perfect, that I had defects. And that was not an easy thing for me to, to um, recognize because, again, I thought that I was all perfect. So although my kids thought that I was a tyrant in the house and they thought that I wanted everything my way or no way, um, I always saw that they just not did not understand that I, do, I did know the best. I only, my way was the only way that worked. So I did my work through the steps and I began to um, sponsor with others and um Oh, and I also forgot to acknowledge what my um, abstinence is, one year and 165 days. So I'm still new in the fellowship. And I, I realized through the work of the steps and using the tools of the 10, 11, and 12, that this is something that I needed to do consistently. I needed to work on my relationship with my higher power on a daily basis. So um, the blessing of the steps was that I was not a, I was not a spiritual person. I was a person that knew of a higher power, but I was not somebody that worked in a relationship. I did not have a personal connection to a, a being greater than myself. So through the work of the steps, I was able to start to build that relationship. And I did it in the process of going through a spiritual awakening. I gradually built this relationship and it was built on, on me being 100% honest, me being 100% transparent, and me being willing to accept that I am not perfect. and using my 10th step daily. I had to use my 10th step daily. I had to use my 11th step daily. I had to use my 12th step daily. And in the process of using my 10th step, I had to acknowledge when I started to feel any type of strong feeling because when I was in the food and when I was in my emotions, I was locked up like a box with a chain on it. And my higher power released me from that. Mahari Power said, I have a purpose for you and your purpose is not to live in this box. Your purpose is to work and serve others and to experience life to the fullest. So Teresa began the work with, with others, with sponsors. I, and my sponsor said, if I, if I agree to be your sponsor, you must agree to work with others. And I told her that I would. Although I, Although my second thought was, why did I get myself into that? But then I thought, do I want the solution? Do I want a different experience of what I'm experiencing now? And my sponsor told me that when you are done with everything, you will experience joy unlike anything you've ever done. And she was correct. So daily, I have to acknowledge if I have a reaction to anything or a strong emotion, I need to acknowledge it right away that I am not going to disregard it because if I disregard it and push it to the side, it's going to grow in me. And those are those situations that trigger my 
um, dishonesty, my selfishness, my um, resentment. When I feel any, and when I'm involved in any situation, I need to make sure that I am being mindful of those four things. Because if I ignore them, it's going to tear me down. It's going to separate me from my higher power, from the relationship that I have built with my higher power. And it is not a, a relationship that was one and done. This is a relationship that must be worked on every day. So when I feel a situation, I, I like to, I, I picked this up from another member of um, OA. She, she came up with this um, phrase, side rule. The S is for selfishness. The D is for dishonesty. The R in roof is for resent, resent, um, resentful or resentment. I don't know why I resentful, resentment. And F is for fear. If I remember that every day that allows me to be concise with my 10th step, because when you are doing a 10th step, it is not you telling somebody a long story. It is, should be concise and you should be directing it exactly to what the four um, defects are. So for instance, I'm going to do one of my 10 steps. I was taking my mom and my sister to our, um, a church event. And my mom and my sister said that they did not want to eat. I, I um, right away started to feel a strong emotion. I right away started to feel a strong emotion. And my response was, you're going to eat. You're going to eat. And my son commented, mom, you should not tell them that they're going to eat. They already expressed that they did not want to eat. I said, they're eating anyway. And what I realized is that I needed to do a 10 step because I needed to analyze what my feelings was. Why did I feel that strong emotion? Why did I feel the need to want to control them? And my, my selfishness was, I didn't want to be bothered with my mother if a blood sugar dropped at the show. I wanted to enjoy my show. My dishonesty was, that she was going to be a hindrance to me, that I wasn't going to be able to go and just be involved with the show and the event. My resentfulness was, I don't want to be bothered. She's going to take my time and I don't want to give my time away. And my fear was that I was not going to be able to deal with the situation if her blood sugar dropped. And I had to acknowledge after I did that 10 step that I owed my mom an amends. I owe my mom and my sister an amends because I disregarded what they said. I jumped to what I wanted and what my needs were, what my defects arose. And I was not kind. I was not tolerant. I was not understanding of what their desire was. So that was just an example of how a 10 step can help you to reconcile your emotions to bring them back to an even balance so that you can still have healthy, respectful, and loving relationships with others. And no, it is not, again, it is not a one and done. This is some, a 10 second use several times during the day because I'm human, I'm not perfect. And my defects are going to come up again and again. They don't come up, they don't arise as strong as they did originally before I came into um, the fellowship and did the work of the steps. But they're still there, but they're they might have become a little bit more um minuscule. Some of them may have disappeared, but I am still a human. But the great thing of the work with the steps is that now I'm I'm able to be honest and realize that I have situations. I may I'm not able to live in denial. 
And if I live in denial, again, it's going to fester in me. It's going to close me up. And it's going to block me from my relationship with my higher power. And sometimes things of this world um, overwhelm me. I'm, I'm a special ed teacher in the state of New Jersey, and I was moving from one school to another. So I was getting one class finished and still working on um, work for the incoming classroom because they were calling me, asking me for work for them. And I had stopped on um, my, I say I've stopped devoting as much time to my meditation and my prayer in the morning. And, and that that's what helps me to reconnect with my higher power every day. And um, I went to church that following Sunday and the, the pastor walked over to me and she started piling all of the stuff on my arms. And she said, stand up. And the, the amount of things that she was piling up me was taller than me. And she said, this is what you are carrying right now. You are opening up too many portals to yourself. You are not being focused on what your path is. You are blocking yourself from your connection to your higher power. Because I, when she said that, I realized I had went back to my defects. I had gone back to trying to be the jack of all trades and being a, the person that can do all and be all. She said, God wants you to close those portals. God wants you to use the tools. God wants me to tell you that you have too much work to do. And he's not going to accept you deviating from his plan. And I, and I looked at her and I said, it's only my God that could have told her that no one else knew that I had diminished my um, my hours of my meditation and my prayer in the morning. That was my 11th step. Um, only God knew that I was not pausing as much during the day. Only God knew that I had diminished on my 10 steps for that week because I was overwhelmed. And I said, I will obey my father. And I sat in the church and I cried. And I cried and I did an amends to my higher power. I did an amends to my higher power for trying to be like God. I had placed myself on the level of, of God and thinking that I can do all and be all. So again, that example is just another illustration about how it is important that you do the work of the 10th step. You must do the work of the 10th step to maintain your sanity. You must do the work of the 10th step to remain your sanity and your balance because our emotions will get to us as we interact with the world. When we take the time to pause, when we take the time to acknowledge that feeling, and then we reach out to someone else and we give it away and then do service to help someone else, that takes us out of those emotions, out of those negative emotions and allows us to come back to a level of joy and understanding. So, ladies and gentlemen, my testimony is today that if it had not been for the 10 steps part of, of this program, Teresa B. would not be sitting here right now with a smile on her face because there are a lot of things happening with my children, a lot of things happening in this world, but I can sit here right now and feel calm. I can sit here right now and still feel joy. And that, that is a beautiful thing. I described it to my children that um, the work of the steps and the work that I do daily with the 10 steps is a gift unlike anything that I've ever had because it allows me to have a relationship 
that is beyond anything that I've ever had. It is beyond what a mother and child feels. It is beyond what a husband's husband and spouse feels. I told my children, if I never get married another day in my life, I am happy because I have my life partner. I have my life partner right now and that's walking with me every day. And that life partner gives me such joy. That partner gives me joy that fills my soul. And that is one of the blessings, one of the miracles of the work with the steps. And with that, I pass. Oh, Teresa, thank you so 